All right, we're back with another episode. So I'm going to get to start off with a little, little bit of history. Um, on this day in 1959, uh, Bonanza premiered on NBC. Uh, well, it was called NBC TV back then, and Bonanza was a show that was about um, it was like a it was like a western and followed a, uh, a family of like all male ranchers. And I know I just know it was really big when it came out, and I won't say it started the western, but it kind of was a big um, part of the Western canon. Um, secondly, in 1981, the Smurfs, which the little blue people that have been on TV for forever, first premiered in North America. They first broadcasted. And then on this day last year, 2020, Nomadland won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival, which kind of started its... Uh, trophy collection tour where they kept going to different things and winning so right right and around this time now is the venice film festival for the past few weeks or so so we should be seeing um news about who's winning what pretty soon right right one likes film the other tv Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. All right, if you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Streamable Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren. This week's episode will find us discussing our favorite film, TV adaptations based on real life crime or scandals as we review the premiere episode of American Crime Story Impeachment. But first, let's get into some headlines for the past week. Um, seems like a whole generation of creators, actors, artists are passing, and we lost another legendary character actor in Michael Constantine. Um, many of yeah. us know him. He played the father in My Big Fat Week Wedding, both the first and second one. Um, I remember him from everything from Madlock to Murder, She Wrote, just a little bit parts in there on TV. So he, he, he right. had a very... Um, recognizable face so yeah 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 he was 94 so condolences to his family um this past weekend uh started the creative arts emmys in preparation for the uh actual emmys uh airing on the 19th um and yesterday uh netflix queen's gambit came out being the big winner um winning multiple awards so that might be foreshadowing what will actually happen at, right. at the real Emmys, um, along with Queen's Gambit winning, uh, WandaVision won Marvel's first Emmy. Okay. Um, with a few awards. Um, and uh, Black Lace Sketch Show actually surprised people and won an uh, editing award, like editing, cinematography, something, some technical thing, but they beat Saturday Night Live. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's probably the first time a Black woman has won, mm. <laughs> won that award. So um, it'll be interesting to see how how this year's Emmys goes with all sort of the new talent that's being nominated against sort of like uh, stalwart um, entities in entertainment. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, this happened mostly on the social media. CBS is the activist drew a lot of backlash. Um, the series, in a nutshell, 
is a competition show where activists pitch their causes and the winner gets to go to the G20 summit and meet national leaders and win money, I guess. And but people are basically saying, why are you turning activism into right. Shark Tank? Like, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, allegedly, CBS has put a statement out. Well, actually, Global Citizens put a statement out because they're part of the series saying that it's not necessarily a competition show, but that's what it is. You've got celebrity hosts and these activists who compete to win more acknowledgement for, for their cause, not actual like results or change. So right. I don't see this. If it does air, it's going to get canceled pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, um, I have two things here. The first, and it has to do with today, since this is the first kind of full day of um, the NFL being back, but the initial game, the initial kickoff game, which was this past Thursday, brought in its highest TV ratings or what brought in its biggest audience in the, the last six years. So since 2015, with 26 million people tune in to watch uh, Tampa Bay and the uh, Dallas Cowboys on Thursday. So it was a pretty big jump from last year. And I think a lot of the numbers have to be, you know, kind of, they kind of attribute, um, the pandemic, the pandemic lessening and just people being able to go back to the games and mm -hmm. the atmosphere kind of being back is a big reason for people tuning in. Yeah, definitely. So, and then secondly, and some tea, it's kind of TV news and just kind of big news because of who's involved, but um, Chris Andrew, who is the queen's son has been served legal papers for, um, a sex abuse lawsuit and this is from the woman her name is virginia i cannot pronounce her last name it's like gia free or something but her lawyers um served him they the the affidavit was filed in new york and then <clears throat> the letters were given to the um police detail outside of his home in um in windsor on august 27th so they are serious about trying to get him to you know, face consequences for what this woman alleged happened. So, and this is all tied into Jeffrey Epstein and right. um, that whole scandal. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely missed that. That must have been like something they slipped in. Yeah. Yeah. So it happened kind of Quiet. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I'm, this is news to me as well. But, you know, what they've kind of been saying is that um, uh, He's kind of just, you know, obviously hiding behind his mother because of who she is and his title. But the pretrial hearing is set for tomorrow in New York. But the thing is, they don't know how his lawyers are going to respond or what's what's going to happen. But somebody's going to be there. Yeah, that should be yeah. very interesting. Right. Whew. We'll transition to our box office report here. And again, Shang-Chi pulled in 35 plus million for a second week weekend. Um, it's a pretty, pretty strong second showing given we're still in the pandemic. So kudos right. to Marvel and the team behind that film. And in a very distant second was uh, James Wan's Malignant with just yeah. 5.5 million, which I mean, I guess was a disappointment. 
Yeah, I guess. I, I imagine a lot more people watched it on HBO Max. Right, because it was available day and day on, right. on the platform, which, I mean... It, I, I watched it, so when it, it's definitely a movie that I would have preferred not spending $14 on, so... <laughs> Right. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Some trailer things. Um, we've got a lot of Netflix movies. Um, despite, yes, you know, a lot of people's disdain for streamers. Uh, first up is The Guilty. And this is a film starring Jake Gyllenhaal, correct? Yes, it is. Yes, I remember yeah. seeing this trailer. Um, basically he's playing a 911 call a respondent or dispatcher. Yeah. And he gets a, a call from a woman who appears to be in, in a situation where she might be victim of abuse, something. Right. And then the call goes silent and he's trying to get, reach her what and whatnot. Um, it looks looks pretty good. Um, yeah, it does. I didn't know that it was I can't remember which country. I'm going to look it up real quick, but it is a remake. Oh, is, OK. I think in. Yeah, 2018, it was made in, oh my God, come on. I'm going to say some Nordic country, but Danish. So it was in Denmark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It was giving me like the call vibes with uh, Halle Berry just because. Right, right. That's the only thing we really have to compare to here in the States, but yeah. And I saw a tweet, a tweet, somebody said, what you can't see in the guilty trailer is, um, is Halle Berry sitting next to Jake Gyllenhaal answering a similar call. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's funny. That's funny. Um, Staying with Netflix, we got the first look at Adam McKay's Don't Look Up. And this is a big casted uh, satirical a film starring uh, lead Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. I believe the premise is they're trying to convince the government of an impending like asteroid or something. Yeah. So I think their whole thing is they have to go on kind of like a a tour, a media tour and warn the public about this comet that's going to crash into earth. Okay. And it does, it has everybody. I mean, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Ariana Grande is in it for some reason. Timothy Chalamet, Kid Cudi, Tyler Perry. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Jonah Hill. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So other than Jennifer Lawrence's bangs, uh, it does look interesting. Yeah, to say the least. And then finally, we have Made, which I remember reading about this right a few years back. Um, it's based on a woman's sort of memoir about her. Um, life as a single mother and resorting to being a housekeeper right um to make ends meet um the trailer looks compelling it yeah it does seeks to explore you know questions of class and uh women in general um in the labor force and sort of the pillars systematic systemic pillars of oppression sort of stacked up against certain people right those are socioeconomic status um it, it could be very interesting. Yeah, I always forget that Margaret 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 Quayley, I can't pronounce her right her last name, 
is Andy McDowell's daughter. And then you can kind of see it. Oh, yeah, because this is the first time they've been in a like a project together, right? I, I think so. I think, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it did. It looked pretty good. So Netflix is really coming with the heat. I, I remember they promised, what, like 42 new films this? Yeah. Like end of the year, so. Yeah, and they, last week, in the past couple of days, I promised they put out, like, I'm not going to lie, like 10 trailers. Some of them are, like, international, but they are, Mm-hmm. They are pumping them out. Yeah, because I remember seeing, I didn't watch it, but I know, uh, was it Red Notice with The Rock, Gal Gadot, and yeah. Reynolds yep. be a big thing. So they're, they're really trying to become a competitor as far as films. Right. Yeah. We will now transition to our second segment, Streams of the Week. Uh, Looks like we watched very different things here, but since we had mentioned uh, Juan's Malignant, let us know what your thoughts were on that film. Um, Okay, so when I said I wouldn't pay to see it, that wasn't necessarily a jab. It is definitely, it's not like a cerebral cerebral, uh, psychological thriller. That's not what you really get from him, but it is kind of like a a good throwback to like B-movie type slasher films. That's what you get. The premise is, is like, what the hell's going on? But it does keep you in. There aren't as many jump scares as he usually uses in his movies. And, um, but it, yeah, like it, if this were, if this somebody told me like, oh, this B-movie's coming out called Malignant and I went to go see it, I'd be like, yeah, this knocked it out of the park because it was, it was pretty okay. decent. Yeah, yeah so. I saw really good things on Twitter. So right, right. It was definitely it was entertaining. Okay. Um, then I watched a movie on Amazon Prime. This was called The Voyeurs, and this starred uh oh I can't remember Justice Smith and Sydney Sweeney, and they play a young couple that has moved in together to their like first apartment, and it it gives you very strong rear rear window vibes because from their apartment they can see into the apartments of a lot of other people and uh they 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 view into this apartment of this guy who's a photographer and they kind of watch him in his relationship but as the photographer he's kind of a sleazy guy he's he's kissing these women he's having sex with them there this is a very uh graphic film a lot of bodies a lot of sex a lot of everything it's 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 like the closest thing to erotic thriller we've had in a, a long time in a while yeah, and it's not super great, but it is, once again, kind of entertaining. And I think the thing that makes it a little hard to believe is that Justice Smith and Sidney Sweeney both look so young. So it's kind of hard to believe that they would, you know, have this apartment on their own. And this is like a swanky apartment. And yeah, so, yeah, that's confusing, but it's it's decent. It's decent. It's I think it's worth a watch. Okay, that uh, out. Yeah, yeah. And then lastly, um, last week I talked about watching the show Guilt on PBS, and I did, and it's it's funny. It's kind of like a I want to say like a black comedy almost, but it's about these two brothers who um are in Scotland and they're driving home from an event, a little, you know, tipsy, and they hit and kill a man. And so now they've got to figure out what to do. So what they do is they take this man's body, put him back in his home. And while they're in his home, 
they see that he received a letter saying that his cancer was terminal. And so then like, we just hit the jackpot. And so they leave him there. Um, his niece or like his great niece comes from America, deals with it. It's, it's, there's a lot that goes on, but it's, it's pretty funny. That sounds very hilarious. Yeah, there's a lot going on. But the only bad thing about PBS is that they don't put stuff on like demand. So you'd have to buy their streaming service to uh-huh. watch their, their stuff. So yeah. All righty. For me, I finally finished uh, Wu-Tang and American Saga's first season. Okay. Um, this premiered back maybe 2018, 2017. I'm not sure. But basically, it chronicles the rise of the Wu-Tang Clan through the eyes of uh, mostly RZA, who's played by Ashton Sanders, but the other members, Raekwon, uh, played by Shamik Moore. Um, you've got Dave East, uh, the rapper yeah. who portrays Method Man. Um, it's some really good performances overall. But um, finished season one. Season two just returned last week. So I'm trying to dive into that. It definitely ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. And it's definitely a slow burn. They they're not going to give you like a biopic where it's like, oh, they they made chemistry just like that. And now they're in the rap game and blah, blah. It definitely tells a story about their lives and the situations they were in and things I never knew about, you know, these artists. So right. it's definitely a, a watch, a, a good watch. And that's on Hulu. And then I started um, Genlock on HBO Max. This was a production from Rooster Teeth. They do a yeah. lot of anime, stuff like that. And this is a, a collaboration between Rooster Teeth and Michael B. Jordan's Outlier Society. So it was originally on one of the anime streamers. Um, and now that Warner Media did whatever it's on it's on hbo max so the yeah. first season's on there now i think the second season may be there too um it's about uh uh 2068 in the future and uh authoritarian uh regime attacks america and like um basically the army has to uh hold a line against where the enemy has taken over most of uh, Northeastern um, uh, United States. And the feature of saving the country are these mechs that are controlled by humans' minds, basically. So like before people were in the mechs controlling them physically, this way you just get in the tube and like upload your consciousness into the mech. So you're actually like controlling it as if you were you know, four stories tall with weapons and stuff like that. So it's pretty interesting yeah. so far. The cast is really good. You've got Jordan, uh, Maisie Williams, Dakota Fanning, David Tennant is in it. Um, it it's about half hour episodes. So I'm, I think three episodes in. So if you enjoy animation and want something sort of familiar in the anime realm, but different, you can definitely check it out. Okay. Yeah, sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, now it's, uh, excuse me, continue to our no concessions segment. Where are you recommending this week? Okay. So this week, I finally got back to watching movies. And um, one movie that I watched that I really enjoyed was called Night of Kings, uh, Night of the Kings. And this is a movie, um, I think it's, I think it's out of France, but the characters are 
um, Ivorian. Um, the I don't make sure I got that right. Yeah, yeah, they're from the Ivory Coast. So mm-hmm. in this in this story, it kind of it's kind of like a fable and a myth. But uh, a young man, a young he's maybe maybe even a teenager, gets arrested. He's a pickpocket and a thief, and he gets sent to this big prison. This is called the Maka Prison, and this is in um, the Ivory Coast. And at this prison, the prisoners have taken over and they run things and they set their own rules and they have a ruler or they call him the Dengoro. I can't pronounce that, but he's the he's the king of the inmates. And one rule is when this guy becomes too ill to govern, he has to kill himself so somebody else can take over and they aren't waiting. And so there's another guy, that guy's name is Blackbeard. And so what we see is Blackbeard kind of realizing that his time is coming to an end, he's sick. And he has to name somebody to take his position, but he also names a guy. He also gives this guy, the new guy, the young guy that came in, the title of a Roman. And this guy is there to tell stories um, to the population while this new, while red moon rises in the sky. This is all just seems to be happening at the same time, and um, like kind of as a coincidence. So he has to tell the story and keep it going, keep it going, and. The prisoners acted out as it's happening and he has to tell the story until sunrise or else um, they'll kill him. And it, it's, it's yeah, it's like a myth, like a fable. It's, it's really, really good. But um, as it goes on, yeah, Blackbeard um, lowers himself into a water tank and then dies. And the story kind of takes on a new, um, I guess, a new a new direction because um, things keep happening now the, the a new person has to be chosen for that position and yeah it's it's a lot easier to watch it than it is to explain <laughs> I think I remember hearing a lot about this um, earlier this year just during like the buzzing of festival time um, right yeah it, it sounds yeah. it looked really good yeah I can't remember which film festival it was in but yeah so it it's it's on Hulu if you if you want to check it out and yeah it's definitely worth the time. All righty, we've come to our halfway mark, um, where we will take a quick break and return with our final two segments. We are back with our final two segments, our NOT and feature presentation. Uh, first up on NOT, we had new episodes of Reservation Dogs evil and uh the penultimate episode of american horror story double feature red tide <laughs> yeah um this week's episode uh, reservation dogs was hunting and they focus on willie jack's character which i really like because on the surface um we were to believe that willie was more of like a like a jokester sort of right um rough edge you know what i'm saying and we got to see more of her family life and see her connection to daniel uh, which right. they're actually related they were cousins so yeah we, we got to see how she's handling that grief and sort of um i'm sure we'll see more of alana pretty soon each episode that's focused on um the individual teenager has sort of shown a reason as to why they wouldn't leave the reservation. You know what I'm saying? Right. 
at right. first they're so adamant to get to California, but now they're seeing reasons to stay, you know, whether it's family or tradition or, you know, their own uh, dreams or goals. So right. I really enjoyed this episode. What were your thoughts? Yeah, no, it, it was good as well. I, I, once again, going back to like the, um, all the myths and kind of things that they have there. And when the episode first opens, um, her uncle is in the woods laying out, I think he says corn to kind of attract animals. Mm-hmm. And he sees that creature, not, uh, uh, which they think it's a spirit, I think is what they come to say, the spirit of Daniel and everything. And no, it was just really good. And I think you hit on probably the biggest points about how it was nice to see a different side to a character that you know we had been thinking of in just one way. Yeah, yeah. The show's uh, really, really good. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, we we saw a different side of Willie Jack with our family. Um, we got to see the sensitive side of her as Daniel was her cousin. And they sort of shared like this hunting ritual with um, her dad. And since he's gone, you know, things, yeah. of course, haven't been the same. Um, and explored also sort of the what I want to say, the, I guess, um, colonial side of, of hunting, you know, before it was a means of survival for these people. Um, And then with white settlers, it's become more of a, a money thing. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, You can see from the cameras just staged in the no trespassing places where, you know, the natives allegedly aren't allowed to, on their own land because it's been bought from them. Um, but yeah, I definitely discussed that perspective. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I really enjoyed seeing, you know, their sort of more of their traditions when they go visit Daniel's grave. Um, yeah. And that that last shot of the group of people that were there, now, were those real people or were they supposed to symbolize like the folks that have gone on? I, you're talking about kind of like when the credits are going. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought maybe they were real people that kind of just went out there to sing to the, okay, to the dead. But yeah, I see that it could be seen as you know them them being you know passed on. Yeah, but I thought that was really really nice. Um, great, another great episode. Mm-hmm. Just you know, because people especially children not children but adults compared to you know youth handle grief differently and it kind of yeah. showed, you know they both were sort of evading the elephant in the room um right. didn't realize how much they both were feeling the same thing so i thought it was a, a great episode <laughs> um uh how are you on evil or where are you i'm, I'm slowly catching up i'm still going to be behind you so you, okay <laughs> yeah just I'll just give a quick synopsis right. of this. Um, uh, the, the I believe it was the eighth episode of Evil used for UFO, and basically our three investigators are charged with the church to explore um, individuals, uh, quote unquote, um, uh, in, encounters with alleged UFOs or extraterrestrials. Yeah. Um, one is an Air Force pilot, the other was a college student, 
and just, you know, the church's stance on this, which was interesting. And they both claimed that they felt like a certain peace after mm-hmm. the, the um, interaction. Um, and then on a more character-driven level, um, Kristen sort of has, comes to a fork in the road with her um, temperament and the way she's feeling. Um, yeah. And the decisions made in her family is supposed to assist her, her and David have a nice talk heart to heart, which they haven't done in a while. Um, yeah. These things have been sort of scatterbrained. Um, and he's getting closer to his ordination as well. So just to give like a, a timeline, because we keep forgetting yeah. like he's in the process of becoming a priest. Um, there's also a lot of developments with Leland. So um, yeah, it was another great episode. Right, right. I'm excited to see what comes next. <clears throat> and then we have American Horror Story double feature. Um, the fourth episode in the Red Tide saga um, entitled Blood Buffet. Um, this episode basically gave us a backstory to how the chemist played by Angelica Ross came to, what's this place called? Uh, damn. Yeah, I can't remember, but... <laughs> Some place on the coast, East Coast. Right, right, yeah. Um, how she came there and why she came there, you know, the origin of the Black Pills um, and their right. goal and how everyone sort of came into this orbit. I thought it was a really good episode. So did I. I thought that was very um, creative. And to have that, to have to have the pills have a source, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not, they just aren't, they just don't exist, but... Uh... Yeah, the writing on this has been pretty good compared to other things. Yeah, especially past seasons and in a a long while. It's all sort of making good sense. Right. Um, So basically the chemist came there to sort of test her pill out, which was part of a part of um, government military experiment on how to sort of uh, diminish, she worked on diminishing the creativity in soldiers so there would be better soldiers. So yeah. In diminishing that, she had to figure out how to uh, increase it as well to understand both sides, which I thought was just really smart. Right. Um, and so she finds, you know, these artists and the pill basically intensifies their creativity but at a cost. And she has to right. see the the results and just like a, a, a real experiment. Um, and we find out that the pale man that Harry killed in episode two right. was actually an artist um, who took the pill and turned out he didn't have any talent. Yeah. So he became just the blood sucking creature. Um, this, we also found the origins of Bella and I forget Evan Peters character's name. Yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah, but Bella was a um, a hapless author, romance novelist, whose husband was just over her. Yeah. And she takes a pill to sort of spark her creativity. And thus, you know, her first victim turns out to be her husband after a, right. a heated argument. And then Evan Peters' character happened to be a very bad drag queen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, the pills allow him to become the screenwriter, like 
he's supposed to become and they go on the killing spree of all these other drag queens which was kind of comical especially yeah where the one thought they got away <laughs> yeah um that that was a an interesting scene but yeah i really appreciated the backstory i didn't think we were going to get that no no that's it is really good because uh, it, it was good because we needed it but also that they just weren't going to use uh, Angelica Ross for like one thing. Exactly. exactly. And then she'd be done. But yeah, to, so that was good to make her pretty much a huge part of the story, maybe the biggest part of the story. So, mm-hmm. And it rooted this into something grounded, not just like there is right, yeah. natural elements, but it's grounded in something real and what people, many people allege happens all the time right in the in the military you know experiment with lsd and mind right. control and things like that so yeah no, this is this is this has been pretty decent writing so yeah so we'll have i guess the final episode um this week yeah we're tied and then the we'll second switch over second part correct so we'll see see how that goes yep All right, now we'll get into our feature presentation where we are discussing another Ryan Murphy series, the premiere of the third season of American Crime Story, uh, subtitled Impeachment. And of course, this is delving into the, excuse me, uh, Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton scandal of the latter 90s from uh, three interesting perspectives. We're getting perspective from the women that were sort of all linked in that sort of sexual harassment uh, yeah. case against Bill Clinton or President Clinton. You have Linda Tripp, played by Sarah Paulson, uh, Monica herself, played by Beanie, Beanie. Felsen. Yeah, it's yes. Beanie Felsen, yeah. And then Paula Jones, I have to look up who the actress who plays her. Annalie Ashford. Yeah, is playing Paula Jones, and I vaguely remember her. Um, yeah, let, let's first just talk about like where we were when this was happening. So, I think my only knowledge of this was when it came out in ninety eight, yeah. because that's where the episode begins. Nineteen ninety eight, where I guess Monica is realizing what is about to happen right um well for me i don't remember any of it because uh i would have been extremely young i I definitely would have been painted to the news but i can say my maybe my first run-in with it and everything that happened was probably maybe like early middle school or high school late Mm -hmm. i mean like late middle school maybe i was like 13 14 i kind of like oh okay you know I can remember jokes and stuff earlier than that, but not really knowing what happened. So Right, right. So like other than the actual scandal where you have, you know, him, them seeking to impeach him or they're right. impeaching him and, you know, him, you know, that iconic line, I did not have sexual relations with that woman and him right. back backpedaling and, you know, admitting his affair or whatever. 
Um, you go back like three years before when it was mm-hmm. Paula Jones accusing him of, you know, sexual harassment. And right. we, that's what I don't really know about. But allegedly, like Clinton had this sort of trail ever since his career in politics. Um, yeah, yeah. There was always rumors and rumors on rumors, you know, the alleged illegitimate children out there and how Hillary's right. next to him and all that stuff. So I think that's what we'll probably be diving into before we get to the pivotal impeachment itself. Right. Um, but just apart from that, now we have that settled, what did you think of this first episode that was entitled? Oh, crap. It was something very kind of random. I want to say filters, but I don't think that's right. Mm. But what did you think of this first episode? Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty decent in laying things out. There were a lot of uh, moving parts, and mm-hmm. uh, just who was involved, how people, how people were involved. The Paula Jones thing. Now I knew about her. This. Okay, so the, to sum up what I knew about the case, I knew about Monica Lewinsky. I knew about the dress. I knew about everything that um, that happened with him being impeached. I didn't know that Paula Jones preceded Monica Lewinsky and essentially was the reason Monica Lewinsky's thing even came out. Right. That was, I did not know that. And even um, when Hillary was running for president, four years ago, or what was that, eight years ago, I guess, not eight, but 2016 was, shit, I don't know, You four or five Back years ago, then. so when, yeah. when she was running, um, that's when some of that came to light, but this kind of was like, oh, I was like, okay, wow, I did, I did not know this. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can, re- I remember seeing her, definitely not the her that we saw in this episode, but, you know, the preview right. we saw when she has, like, the longer hair, and where they sort of, like, made her more right right or whatever i remember seeing her face um but yeah that that was definitely something i wasn't too privy to um i thought the episode was good it's establishing like exactly who will be who will be viewing the story whose right, lens right. will be viewing the story from um sarah really looks like linda tripp i think yeah i think she may be like the best makeup job on the show so far because these other people look yeah kind of beanie beanie feldstein kind of when her hair's down i can see it because i can see the in the face monica linsky was younger then and i I can Mm -hmm. see that and the woman that's playing ann coulter when they showed her from the distance when she was on the tv screen i could see that but once it got up close i was like oh, okay yeah. yeah kobe smolders is playing yeah culture and originally they had betty gilpin but she had to drop out but yeah yeah she that wouldn't have worked she didn't have that long face like ann Coulter. Mm-hmm. yeah um and then i think the worst may be bill and hillary because edie looks hillary-ish because she's like done up but she's not giving me no hillary and Clive Owen, the the nose they have on him looks really, really big. Yeah, it's there's there's a lot. There, something's just kind of off there. Um, but I guess you know they can't look exactly like them, but we know right. who they're supposed to be. 
Um, so basically, I I also never really knew who Linda Tripp was, but it seems like she was a government official, you know, right. a woman in the boys club, of course. Um, and they basically demote her because no one likes her. And this whole thing seemed to be a ploy to get her sort of some recognition, basically. Yeah, the, the at least that's the way they have it painted out. It was she just wanted to kind of move up. Yeah, so she basically plots out to big friend Monica, right? Um, who is just an intern who happens to be working in the same department as Linda, which, I mean, it's sort of would piss me off, too, if I've been here for years and this girl's moving up, but, you know, we know why she's moving up. Um, right. Yeah, that, that was very interesting. And I had no idea about the Kevin Foster yeah, the guy that killed himself. Yeah, that was so. Yeah. When I saw that, man, I went straight to Google. I was like, hold on a second. Like, who was that? <laughs> so this was whoever Linda worked for. Um, right. I guess the rumor mill was, which is basically what Linda was out here doing. Like she was trying to stir up right, to make a book, to make a month, some money, to make herself sort of a star. Um, they alleged that Foster was having an affair with Hillary. Yeah. I was like, and his name, his name was Vince. Vince, okay. Yeah. And then you know he just offed himself in in the forest, and yeah, I was not expecting that. That's just where we kind of start. Um, and then we see the other characters at play, you know, and Coulter and the reporters, right? You know, looking for a reason to bring Clinton down, like they're out here snooping. Right. Um, you know, Linda, sort of quick turn on her her uh co-worker because she gets the job that she wanted right and she just assumes that she's out here putting out and and that wasn't the case but i do think women that men liked got promoted oh absolutely absolutely they looked at linda and did not see no a beautiful woman attractive woman you know she's she was plus size older they definitely left her on the chopping block and yeah i definitely understand that so right so yeah there was some one and i i read something about it kind of talking about the use of the uh the fat suit for sarah polson's character which is interesting they're just like you know why can't they find another actress and i think that's a fair discussion but there was kind of a weird fixation on food yeah and i i couldn't tell if maybe that was because it was a 90s thing and all these fads were you know diets were big or what but i was kind of like all right this is this is getting a little weird yeah but we see we see monica she's at the gym she's talking about how she just started wasn't weight watchers but like yeah it was like some aerobics class or something yeah and you know some meal she she eats and blah 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 so yeah there it might just be the 90s yeah um, and maybe, maybe that's what it is maybe they're trying to highlight you know the thoughts of you know working women being that environment examining how they're judged on their looks and compared to men who who aren't you know it's right you know, their capabilities and skills. So I'm sure it's all part of that discussion, but yeah, that's very, very interesting um, thing that they highlighted. Right. And then um, 
Oh God, I can't remember his name, but the the guy that played Paula Jones's husband in this. Oh yeah, uh, from SNL. Yeah. Taryn. Yeah, we're we're you're right there. <laughs> Taryn Killam. Yes, that's it. Yeah, but no, he's he's always funny and whatever he does, and I thought that's kind of funny when they were talking. <laughs> And then he just breaks into how he's like, yeah, you know, I could be a, you know, like Dora Burke's love interest or whatever, you know, and just <laughs> right. It's like okay. And also, I I loved how they showed just how crippling it was and still is for women to come forth about sexual yeah. or sexual harassment. Like she couldn't even talk about it in private with her husband because he viewed her differently right um just that whole press conference and how they hounded her you know it you know it if it happened then you should be able to say all right all those excuses as to why you know it allegedly didn't happen because she wasn't talking about her this that and the third um it's it's crazy how deeply rooted those those um issues are and how just now we're starting to talk about it slowly try to dismantle mantle that logic so yeah this this might be a really good season um it's the first to sort of focus on women i know like with oj you know they sort of highlight marcia clark but she wasn't major there and versace women weren't really major there but here we'll, we'll sort of have three strong female characters right sort of take up space so it'll be interesting to see how this goes all right right. and in addition to that it got me thinking about other sort of true crime or real life scandals that have been brought to the screen um throughout the years and which ones we've enjoyed the most Mm -hmm. um you know before true crime we had like the made for tv movies right right and things of that nature. So uh, what what kind of uh, movies or shows did you, uh, that came to mind for you when you thought about, you know, true, true crime adaptations? I think the one in most recent years was really good and it's, it's really recent, but it had to be Chernobyl. Just the way that they yeah. talked about this disaster that we've been hearing for probably all of our whole lives and broke it down and kind of the um, incompetence of the government at that time and uh, the lying and everything. I was like, it, it was, it deserved every award that it won, but no, it was, it was really good. So I had that one um, throwback, but all the president's men. And I remember we watched that in, in maybe one of the first journalism classes I, I ever took and I hadn't seen it before. And it was really good. And that's about Watergate for, you know, people that don't know, but um, um, trying to think of what else there was. Oh, I thought about which McCall. I'm not sure if you watched it, but Mindhunter on Netflix. I started, but never finished it. Yeah, it, 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 it's got like an asterisk, asterisk next to it because while it's fictional, Mm-hmm. It's about something that really happened and kind of beginning of how they started to track serial killers and right. um, who were some of the first people that they they followed. So, so yeah, 
And then I thought I had one more, but I can't think. But yeah, those those definitely are up there for me. Okay. For me, I'm just going back recently. I would say the second season of American Crime Story, which explored the assassination of Johnny Versace, because yes. I knew nothing about that story. I just remember in 1997, he was shot, and then right. that was it. But um, the, the fortune tale of Andrew Kunanen and sort of like just the the life he sort of fabricated and he, this right. was really interesting. Um, so yeah, that came to mind. Um, going back, <clears throat> excuse me, 2010 with All Good Things. Um, I rented this randomly from Family Video and it starred uh, Ryan Gosling as uh, who we know now, Robert Durst. The, oh, yeah. Yeah, that whole um, ordeal. HBO did the docuseries and which sort of propelled them to take him back to trial for the murder of yeah. uh, his neighbor and everything. Um, just an incredible saga of um, like detective work in this age right. of you know, sort of citizen um, justice. Uh, sort of, kind of, of related. I had the Mothman prophecies. Oh, you know what? Yeah, that counts. We'll we'll give it. Okay, just because while I think you know Richard Greer's sort of story is fictional, those events you know were based on you know real events. Um, right, right. People in I believe it was Virginia. I might. Yeah. Uh, no, I think you're right. I think the Mothman is. I know it's in that part of the country. Yeah, basically, um, these people always said they had sightings of this Mothman creature, and yeah. you know, it was supposed to be like a, a warning of some impending doom, and that that movie freaked me out. Yeah, I can I can see the commercial still. <laughs> yeah, it's like Richard on the phone and that voice, yeah. like shrieking. Yeah, let me. Yeah, no, it was it was terrifying. Yeah. Um, and then my final two are both, uh, I believe, movies I saw in Lifetime <laughs> years ago. Mm. But the first was Murder of Innocence. Hmm. And this starred Valerie Bertinelli as Lori Dan. And it was based on the true story of a woman who, honestly, she was suffering from a mental disorder. I uh, believe it was obsessive, sort of like some obsessive compulsive behaviors. Yeah. Um, and she gets married but the marriage doesn't work and her condition sort of descends gradually and there's never any real intervention on her behalf and this was you know the 80s so mental health right. in the conversation at all so exactly. she's you know sort of coddled and she went from job to job school to school moved back with her parents eventually she um murdered uh believe it was a teacher and shot another child at elementary school yeah. and shot some other people and then killed herself um it was wow. a really, really sad story but i remember seeing that pretty young and just being sort of shook that it was a, a real life um occurrence and it, it was called what it's called murder of innocence oh okay i believe the whole movie's probably on youtube yeah but yeah her name was Lori dan um it was really tragic because if, if she had the resources, then 
this were to assist her with her mental illness, I'm sure she would be alive today. It was it's yeah. just a story. And then one of the very first ones, I believe they did a remake of this, not a remake, but retold the story. Um, it's uh, the Betty Broderick story. Oh, okay. Yeah, a uh, woman scorn, and the original was like a, I think it was like a three-part saga that starred Meredith Baxter and Stephen Collins. Yeah. Woman who, you know, marries her fiance and raises their children and supports him as he goes through medical school, become a dentist and all this stuff. And then he divorces her for a younger woman and she winds up killing him and her in their home. Right, right. Sort of like that first instance of like crime of passion type thing and how she her defense was like you know he drove me to this yeah yeah the way he dismissed her and everything so i actually think this the original version was better than the one that just came out it was with amanda pete and christian slater Hmm. um it was just last year it was part of the dirty john yeah series or whatever I, I remember that because if I'm not mistaken, either her or her husband went to school here. I think he did his. Oh, man, I know they did oh, here. I mean, Indiana, I think it was at Notre Dame. Oh, wow. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I, I know exactly what you're talking about now. But yeah. 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 I just remember watching it and like. It, it like like we said, then like TV movies were like big events because right right i'm on tv it was just you know right and you weren't getting beat over the head with so much of the similar stuff so when it was something kind of captivating it was like oh my goodness yeah and that story really shook the country like she was on oprah and you know everything else it was like sort of the beginning of you know this because for the longest people didn't believe women could commit these crimes like yeah no they just thought they would yeah no yeah you're right Oh yeah, those those are the ones that came to mind when I thought of like uh, scandals coming to. to yeah. So, one the one true crime one that sticks with me, and uh, this will be my last one, and it was in, I don't know when the adaptation was made, but I know it was. It's called The Act, and it's about Gypsy Rose and her mother. The she was oh. a young woman who, her mother, kept making her get procedures done when she wasn't sick at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, Joey King and Patricia Arquette. Um, this was on Hulu. They were the mother-daughter um, duo. But I first heard about this in about, it had to be 2016, BuzzFeed, their, when they, their long-form journalism part, they wrote the story up. And it was one of those stories that you keep reading, you keep reading, and you the further along you go, like the less you believe it's true. It's just like, there's no way this was... There's no way this girl had dozens of operations and the doctors just the doctors would say there's nothing wrong with her and then operate her operate on her anyways to kind of appease the the girl's mother. So, um, yeah, crazy story. Crazy story. That story was insane. And there was just so much surrounding that when it happened. And yeah, yeah, that that. That was pretty well received too. Quickly acclaimed that limited series. Yeah. So. Righty. So I'm I'm invested. I'm invested in you know impeachment to see where it goes and what I learn. Um, right. 
all these years later surrounding that that um, ordeal. Yeah, no, I think it'll be decent. It's just um, I hope once this ends and once American Horror Story ends that Ryan Murphy takes like a four year break. You know, like let yeah. us miss you, man. Like I, I mean, <laughs> just yeah. Well, it'll still be here. Like Netflix, right? Exactly. They got you. Before we get out of here, what are you streaming for the weekend? Okay, I got a couple of things. Oh, hold on. Computer's acting weird. Of course, we have scenes from a marriage that comes on tonight. Um, that's with Jessica Chastain and I, uh, Oscar Isaacs. They play a couple with a dissolving marriage. Um, tomorrow, we have The Last Man FX on Hulu. This is the, what was it? It was a comic or was it just like a f- science fiction novel? I believe it was like a graphic comic. Okay. Yeah, so we have that tomorrow, and that's about just as it sounds. The last man left after some sort of plague wipes out all men. And then I've been seeing this trailer on YouTube nonstop, and it I think I've been seeing it on purpose. But it is called The Lost Symbol, and it is a television series that is on Peacock, and um, it stars Ashley Zuckerman, who we keep seeing and stuff. He was just in mm-hmm. the um, Netflix movies, or what were they called? Oh, the, the, the horror movie trilogy. Yeah, Fear Street. Fear Street, thank you. He was in Manhattan. But um, this story, or this show, kind of has like a, um, kind of like a, well, I don't know, kind of like an adventurous type thing. This guy is a, a symbiologist. And so there's like a series of puzzles that he needs to see to save to, um, to like save someone he needs to solve these puzzles to save someone that's been kidnapped and uh kind of put like a halt to this big conspiracy going on so um yeah i I keep seeing it on whatchamacallit and um, i haven't watched too many kind of peacock exclusive things that they've put out so um, i'm interested in seeing this all right all right uh me too will be or I too, I too will be tuning into Why the Last Man on the 13th and uh, Scenes from a Marriage this evening. And then later this week, I believe it's Thursday, Hulu will premiere The Premise. Mm-hmm. And this is the new anthology series from BJ Novak. Um, it's sort of giving, not Black Mirror, but like each episode will tackle sort of like a current topical issue right right the dark comedy type thing so i'll check out that check that out and see um how that goes mm-hmm. thank you for listening to it's a stream of life podcast with brandon and lauren if you like what you hear go ahead and subscribe share and review on your platform of choice and if you want more follow us on our social at as like podcast on twitter and instagram and visit our website streamoflife.wordpress.com uh, next week we will somehow be discussing the Emmys um, right because they are Sunday so we, we may have an episode later or something of that nature but right we'll be talking about who win who will who won who lost and so on and so forth right right so until then keep on streaming peace This has been It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. 
Listen, share, rate, and subscribe weekly on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get streamable live.